Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Welcome back to another episode of uh, Original Remake. Uh, we're, we're actually back on track here to kind of put out episodes a little bit more uh, regularly. And uh, joining us f- for this uh, double feature of The Italian Job is Daniel from the uh, Get Real podcast. Is there? Is it Get Real Movies or is it Indeed. Get Real? It is Get, get Real, Real Movies. movies. They've not rebranded to just we, be get real everything yet. <laughs> get real. Uh, yeah, no. I guess I guess you don't listen to the podcast because we do say that a lot, Peter. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm Has Peter no, been on uh, the podcast? He only listens to himself talk. Even right well, now. Well, hold on. I was. I was on the first episode, and I think he has since deleted the feed or something. Because you were on. No, it. no, no, no. <laughs> No, the feed, Lipson won't let me, they won't give me back my feed. I, I transferred to a new podcast uh, host, and Lipson are like, uh, we don't like you because you transferred to a new podcast host, so we're not going to give you your episodes back. And my computer got stolen all the way back in November, and that had all my old episodes on. So we're going to get you on again, Peter, so that, you know, we, we want you on our show again, so you'll start listening again. <laughs> sure, right. You're going to say, get real, Peter. <laughs> get real. <laughs> get real Peter get out of here <laughs> um yeah that was a fun episode um if you ever get a chance to uh put that back up it, I mean uh what was it it was the uh, gods of Egypt yes it was yeah we did gods yeah. of Egypt and another terrible movie didn't we oh I can't remember what the other one was um you could have you could have put it back up for ghost in the shell and just done the same thing. You know, it's like yeah. every spring we have a big controversy, a big whitewashing movie, and you could add Peter back on for Ghost in the Shell. You, well, we you were going to talk about Ghost in the Shell, but then uh, we uh, Mason didn't see it because he couldn't be bothered. And our guest, Sean, from No Totally, uh, he, he, he didn't get a chance to see it either. So Kind of hard um, to talk about then. <laughs> kinda... yeah. yeah. I was thinking I might do an episode by myself, but, you know, I was like, okay, I'll just take a break and edit some – other stuff. Yeah, it sounds like I'm the backup Asian to Sean. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just pulling your leg. How oh, dare you treat no. Peter that way? He's the best Asian. I, I He's the Asian Warren Beatty. Don't you know? Haven't you heard this? <laughs> I might be the Asian Jason Statham in this one. Ah, okay, you're the Jason Statham. Who's Mike? That's my question. I'm the white most deaf. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! So uh, I guess we should introduce, in case people haven't uh, heard, uh, they may be more familiar with the the newer one because we've already shout out a few of the actors. But Peter, tell uh, tell our listeners a little bit about the uh, the original film, the uh, decidedly not most deaf version. So it's of course lesser. Yeah, right. This uh, this this version came out uh, the original, I guess that is, is directed by Peter Collinson. It came out in uh, 1969 in the UK. Uh, this one stars Michael Caine. As uh, Austin Powers, and we got uh, an old coward, Benny Hill, Raph Valoni, I think it is, and Tony Beckley. And uh, I, I was actually surprised to see that this this movie was scored by Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. 
who will go on to to do uh, Thriller and Off the Wall with Michael Jackson. And Father Rashida Jones. So oh, that's, that's right. his most important yeah. I am a fan accomplishment. Of yes. Yes, Rashida Jones. That's right. Uh, in this movie, uh, Michael Caine plays a um, – you know, not Austin Powers, obviously. It's a Charlie Corker, right? And he he's released from prison um, and uh, meets up with a, a friend of his, uh, a widow of his friend. And she has the details uh, of a plan to steal $4 million. Um, and then he goes back into prison to ask a, a Mr. Bridger, who is played by Noel Coward, uh, to finance this plan, and chaos ensues with a bunch of Mini Coopers. Yeah, it it's already sounds pretty chaotic. And I, I mean, I just watched this last night, and I was like, wait, he's breaking back into prison? What was going on here? <laughs> right. uh, a little more streamlined. It is a comedy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, yep. Yeah, it is, and it's listed as such um, on IMDb and Wikipedia. They list it as a comedic caper. It's a little goofier. Um, then the uh, American version, 2003, starring uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, basically in the the Michael Caine uh, part. I mean, there's there's definitely different personality types, but uh, our Charlie here uh, has been an understudy to uh, the Bridger character who is not in prison, played by Donald Sutherland, uh, and he's sort of taking over his crew uh, for this Italian job uh, when they are sabotaged by one of their own, played by Edward Norton. So the rest of the film uh, is getting back the gold, uh, avenging uh, Edward Norton's murder of Donald Sutherland. And for that, they bring in his daughter, Stella Bridger, played by Charlize Theron, who has inherited her father's gift for cracking safes. And uh, so it's a, a chase with Minnie Coopers to get the gold back and to get their revenge on their uh, former partner who has betrayed them. So this one was directed by F. Gary Gray, which for this week works out because he is directing Charlize Theron in The Fate of the Furious, another car chase movie. So that's how we're sort of tying that in. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, we should toss it to our our guests first, right, for impressions, because I think when I reached out to Daniel from uh, Get Real Peter podcast – that uh, <laughs> he was excited because he's a Michael Caine fan. And we've talked before about other movies. Um, there was one, I think, called Youth uh, last year you, you were a big fan of, you were looking forward to. Uh, yep. So what's your what's your history? Had you seen uh, the Michael Caine version? Had you seen the American version before? Uh, what, which order did you watch these in? Uh, I had seen the American version before. I had not seen the Michael Caine version. So um, I was obviously very excited. Huge Michael Caine fan. He's from... Uh, my uh, my birthland of England, and um, he's just he's just one of these classical actors who you know you're seeing less and less of. Like you don't see many of them from this generation, but there's countless from his generation, and he's one of them. And you know, I I, I watched it last night as well, the Ital the classic Italian job. And I gotta say, the big surprise about this movie is that it was much more risque than the uh, newer version. Like goodness, like mm -hmm. for, like in the first ten minutes, he has an orgy with like eight women. <laughs> that is obviously off camera because it was the sixties, but um, it's also still, a rated and, G film, which it is strange yeah. it's even referenced when it's rated G. The, yeah, the it is. It, mm -hmm. It's it's just it's I, and I really like it. It's really funny. Um, it's goofy. It realizes that you know, uh, Mini Coopers with you know so many pounds of gold in it. 
it's not exactly the most realistic thing in the world, even though they do make it a little more realistic with, you know, make sure we modify the cars and stuff like that. But it just, it just has a lot of fun with itself. And it's, it's written infinitely better than the newer version in my mind. The Here newer we go. version. Hating on Americans already. <laughs> no, the newer version is, you know, just kind of, you know, a straight action movie, a thriller. This movie kind of has a more comedic, it's more, has more drama. And I feel like it does the thriller aspect a little better. I, I feel like the newer one does action better, but that's going to happen since, you know, it's what, um, 40, uh, 45 years later almost after the original movie. But, you know, I, I think originally they were going to have Robert Redford in the lead role of the uh, original Italian job. And, you know, he, he's cool, but Michael Caine was perfect for this role. And Noel Coward goodness gracious was he amazing to watch like I, I don't think i've ever seen a villain in a jail or you know the boss man in a jail just like waving and like getting clapped like everyone's like going chanting england and he's just like taking it all in and it's just he has this gravitas that just kind of pulls him toward that you pulls you towards him and um i don't think there's really anyone in the original or in the new Italian job that does that in the same way. And yes, there's some fantastic talent like Edward Norton, you know, um, Marky Mark, uh, Charlie Theron, you know, it's a good cast, but I feel like the original Italian job just kind of, I don't know. It's, it suffers from where not suffers, but it is just the better movie in my mind, at least. Peter, you had to defend our country. I hope. Hmm. You've All already right. done it before, so here. you know, just put on your put on your military gear again. I've, Defend Marky that, Mark's that, honor. That might have, uh, you know, if you say that, I do have my jacket over here. Uh, I can put that on uh, real quick while I get on my soapbox. No, um, the original I also just watched um, uh, last night, and I finished it up this morning. Uh, kind of dozed off a little bit. <laughs> now, the, the remake you are for Michael yeah, Caine's yeah. company. <laughs> the the remake I have seen one time, uh, just you know when it first came out, and I felt like it was just kind of riding off the coattails of you know your movies like uh, Fast and the Furious and Gone in sixty seconds. It was going to be another car chase. Um, one of my favorite car chases is still a uh, movie in a way is uh, Ronin uh, with Robert De Niro, and I don't know there was something about this one that never really stuck with me. And upon watching it, I was still kind of lukewarm on the movie. And having watched these movies relatively uh, close together, I kind of think the, the the remake's a little bit more watchable for me. I do agree with Daniel that the original is, the, uh, is a better movie. Uh, the remake is based on the original Italian job written by Troy Kennedy Martin, but they change it enough where it is its own movie. And really, they took the name, which I think should have changed. Really, I, I don't think the the, the, mm-hmm. the the name Italian Job really works with this remake. And they kept some of the character names, but ultimately, it's almost almost a different movie. Really, like you couldn't even tell it was the same movie. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that one. It should have been called the American Job, honestly. Oh, it, oh I like that better already. Maybe not the American Job, but <laughs> the Americans. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a show. that's a great show. A great I, I'm gonna be I'll be the dumb American here. Um, I was a bit surprised. I had seen uh, the 2003 version multiple times. I, I watched it 
uh, when it came out theatrically that summer. It was probably my favorite movie that summer because uh, it's it's really of that time period. The only one I, uh, Peter, you point out that it's kind of just more watchable. It's one that I have just thrown on before or when it's come on TV, I can watch the parts. Uh, I felt a little bit differently about it watching it for a podcast because I was, you know, I knew I was going to have to talk about it. So I was thinking a little more critically. And so I watched them in the order that I had seen them, which is usually how I do it for this podcast. If I've not seen one, I hold that for later. So I got my rewatch in for this 2003 version. And the biggest issue I had with it is the comedy because there are a lot of beats that play out. And the, unfortunately, a lot of them rely on Mark Wahlberg. Uh, kind of being involved like either he's like sort of chuckling at someone uh or he like puts someone like most deaf uh seth green sort of in an awkward conversation and then you see him react you see it a lot in adam sandler movies um and it doesn't really work there Uh-oh. either uh, because adam sandler mm-hmm. like they always want his character to be like the smartest guy in the room it makes sense here because this guy is basically uh, and I think the Italian job, the reason it came out was actually Ocean's Eleven. That remake was so successful. They're like, oh, let's right. get another one like that. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg does not carry himself like a George Clooney who is able to sort of make fun of himself, but still be like the smartest guy in the room, the best looking guy. So anytime it has those moments, I was like, man, this is not funny. This is just laying here dead. That being said, I think the action's good. I think it makes quite a bit more sense than the, the original, because I watched that one afterwards, and I was really, I had high expectations for it. So I'm like, okay, it's a 60s film. It's got Michael Caine. It's going to be cooler. Uh, it's, it's not going to have all this, this comedic nonsense. And then as Daniel said, and Peter, you said, it is labeled a comedy. And I didn't realize that. And I get in, and this movie is goofy as hell. Like, I mean, some of the stuff, mm-hmm. like Daniel, you, you mentioned he gets out of prison and his like female friend, sets up an orgy for him then they have some sort of domestic dispute later when he's caught like cheating on her and he has the mm-hmm. the valid point he's like well you let me sleep with a whole room full of women why was that that was good this is not some of that stuff works but i didn't i really didn't like the um the prison aspect i didn't like getting the bankroll uh, I didn't really understand the the setup where the mafia and like the alps have this way of killing this guy and man, do they love in the original throwing cars off a mountainside? Like you said that multiple times. And, and I that's guess cool though. It's like practical effects. And I really appreciate that in an age where, you know, CGI is so overused. It's kind of cool to, you know, go, it, it gave me flashbacks kind of to, you know, when I saw Mad Max and you see all those cars, you know, exploding and stuff. Whoa, it's whoa, like, whoa. settle down. This is not, this okay, is not I don't Mad think Max. it's Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> I'm just saying that it, it does have, you know, some cool practical effects and the way they handle the car chases, it reminds me of bullet. Like, you know, maybe it doesn't have the same amount of car chases cause they're a little more goofy, like you right. mentioned, but I, I do appreciate like the driving, you know, like, you know, it, it's, you don't see many good car chases in movies today. And then, you know, I feel like even even the remake does a decent job, but I still think that the original does a better job. And that's just from watching it last night. You know, I feel like if I watch it again or, you know, let it marinate for a while, some other things might come up. But you're talking about the prison aspect and the whole bankroll. I think that was more. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of, you know, he loves the queen, this, you know, the the guy behind. um, And I, I, I just. I kind of, it, it, it represented this whole British nationalism thing. And, you know, we were getting, we're stealing this gold from the Italians because, you know, <laughs> because we hate the Italians and we're the British and we're the best. And Mr. Bridger just kind of had that sort of, you know, the English are the only ones in the world. And 
Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, but um, Michael Caine almost forgets something. And at the end, uh, before they're about to do the jobs, he says, you know, oh, yeah, I forgot to say uh, they drive on the wrong side of the road. That was just like one final little jab, you know, to like, oh, yeah, the the British are the, the right ones. The, the whole the whole world is wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly glad they got rid of that nonsense uh, because that's been proven factually incorrect as we live in trump's america now america's back on top again we why why would you bring that into this mike seriously we're gonna go a whole podcast episode i oh man goodness well okay you bring up nationalism and i think that's you know that's something as uh, especially american now i don't find it as amusing you know because i i think in obviously this was 69 but when you watch it now i'm thinking like i don't really get into we're doing it for our country we're better than them let's take let's plunder let's steal let's kill you know it puts me in that mindset i'm like oh god like it's like you know this I'm, i have to live with these assholes in kentucky i don't need to see them glorified as as heroes so in that regard i think that the the 2003 version is a little cleaner like you know they kind of to your point they take the nationalism angle and they make it a personal revenge story where this guy stole from me so i'm taking mine back and he killed this woman's father and it's mm-hmm. just it's easier to understand um it's not as comedic. I think the 69 version makes it more of like a sporting match, like an event between these two teams in a way. And I think the, the mafia way, and the British, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think there's this, I think the first one is more charming than the 2003 version, but it is like watching it. I had to pay quite a bit more attention, which isn't not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely, as Peter said, I don't think as watchable as the 2003 where you can just kind of jump in. It's like, okay, this is kind of a standard action movie. It's got some laughs or attempts at laughs and it's got some interesting set pieces. So, uh, Peter, you're, yeah. you live in Portland. You're a little, bit, I'm, I'm the redneck on the show. So you tell me if this British invasion offended you like it did the, uh, the Kentuckian. No, uh, I, I don't think so. There you go. See, in Portlandia, so. they're a little more progressive yeah. and liberal. They're not as, <laughs> Not as defensive. We are actually. <laughs> Wait, that uh, makes no sense. Wouldn't that mean they'd get e- more easily offended? I'm I'm confused. No, they're more they're more welcoming of you people, you invaders from other lands. Whereas, wow. see, okay. Kentucky, you, you we're, mean, we're you mean immigrants? You mean immigrants, Mike? I'm, I just want to say <laughs> that uh, I'm not an immigrant. I'm full blooded American. We just crawled out of a cave in Kentucky. That's how my family started. <laughs> I'm full-blooded American, too. I was born in Texas. Yeah, Mike, seriously. What are you trying to say? Are you saying that we're less of, than you because you came out of a cave in Kentucky? Well, Peter just said he's from Texas, so he's got some southern charm. So now I just okay, like him I'm even less. more. Mm-hmm. I'm less. Okay. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's just an interesting point uh, because you all were saying that the Italian job, you know, this new one, it's they're really just taking the IP, right? Because the Italian job that happens is, you know, the – very first 10 minutes of the movie and then everything else is just like hey we should do it like the italian job whereas the first one is very much like we're going up against another people we're going to i think michael kane even has a line like to the mafia that's like we're going to take this we're going to take this out on your people like we're going to like yeah not even if, the if people you that, kill us yeah if you kill us we're going you know uh our mr bridger will make the lives of a quarter of a million italians hard we will smash your stores. Like he threatens them. You can see why that scares me Mm -hmm. living in Trump's America. Now that's why (laughs) a little bit. 
Okay, I, I, I get that. Like, uh, and I agree with the whole watchable thing. Like, um, you know, I, I think the remake, I can, you know, turn on and do some homework or, you know, uh, do some writing or something and, you know, kind of have fun with it, occasionally look and, you know, have fun. But I like movies that make me, you know, think and make me pay attention because I don't want to shut my brain off all the time because I feel like a lot of movies are, you know, kind of just like shut off your brain entertainment. So, you know, I love it when there's the occasional... Uh, occasional superhero movie or occasional action movie that actually makes you think and makes you pay attention and, you know, says, you know, you have to be a averagely smart person to enjoy this film. And, you know, I think you guys both seemingly enjoyed it. You just had some uh, knocks against it, which, you know, is totally understandable. Oh, I have knocks with the, the remake as well. Um, you know, I think another reason that I was a little lukewarm on, on the remake, um, though, I, again, like, it's watchable for me. I can still enjoy it. But I think around this time, uh, Edward Norton also came out with the score uh, with um, Robert De Niro, uh, which he plays a very similar character. Yeah. No spoiler alert for that movie. He betrays Robert De Niro, you know, and he does so in this one in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> And I, I kind of forgot that. And like, uh, I'm a big fan of Edward Norton, you know, Primal Fear, uh, American History X. And then Birdman. to see him like back to back. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do, I do love him in that one, that movie. You know, I, I, Daniel, I think you and I, we've, uh, fought on Twitter over this, but I think Whiplash was the better movie. Uh, but we're not going to discuss yeah. that. No, uh, I knew I liked this another Texan. podcast. I knew, I knew he stole my heart a long time ago. <laughs> Whiplash was the better movie. I, that movie was, Fucking amazing! I'll just say uh, yeah, on that. I agree with you totally. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I swear I thought you were defending Birdman one time. No, I, I, I am defending Birdman, but I oh, wouldn't oh, disagree okay. with you on uh, Whiplash. I think it's phenomenal. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so we'll agree there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, the thing is, like Edward Norton was, you know, he was fine in this movie, but I felt if you're gonna have somebody betray the main group he needs to be a very formidable foe i think edward norton's character was was not you know he didn't have any he didn't have any henchmen he um got bitch slapped a few times in this movie uh he just was not to be feared uh it was more so the ukrainians you know later on in the movie um and i th- i think we could have used a little bit more of skinny pete to be honest with you i want to touch on what you said with uh, edward norton because he did not want to do this movie, did not promote it. He was contractually mm. obligated. I think he signed either after Primal Fear or Primal Fear was a part of it, a three-picture deal with Paramount. And so okay. he ended up doing the score to fulfill that, which is a film that he also said <laughs> he also said the script was not very good, and the only reason he did it was to work with Brando and De Niro. And then basically, I guess because from Primal Fear, that was, what, 96 the contract had gone on, so like, I think they were right, reaching yeah. theirs because you can only sign actors to like I think like a seven year contract for that type of thing, and they were basically reaching like the deadline, and so they had not agreed on anything because Edward Norton through his career is fairly picky, as you can see. He's had, he had a falling out with Marvel of the the Hulk and left that franchise. Thank God uh, for that. I actually liked him in the Hulk, but I like Ruffalo too. I, th- yeah, I, thought, I thought he was okay too. I like, yeah, I like uh, like them both, but um, Edward Norton's too little. Yeah, I mean I know. Bruce Banner's not really like a big guy, but he's, he's too, skinny. too small of a frame. It's just the size yeah. of his anger and his rage, gentlemen. That's all. Like, <laughs> but you, you watch Good Will Hunting. Okay. Casey Affleck is like the toughest yes. fighter because he's the little one. You know, he's the one that has to yeah. stay in the scrap. But anyway, uh, 
Edward Norton didn't want to do the Italian job, and I think you, it shows in his performance. I don't think he's not yeah, engaged. He he's not enthusiastic. He doesn't really try to put any new spin on on the villain. That, there's a sequence where at the beginning where they're talking about what they're going to do with the money right before he betrays them, and I th- I feel like they really had to ride in after they started seeing what he was giving them. Uh, they point out in the film he's a character that has no imagination. I believe that was only in there after they saw the dailies of his performance, and they're like, "God, we gotta explain why this guy's like a robot. We gotta explain why he's not showing any emotion whatsoever." Yeah, and it does the film a disservice because you need someone who is a, a presence, is someone that is a, a foe, and they do for the most part walk all over him. And not to go back to Ocean's Eleven too much, but you know, I think of Andy Garcia in that film. He has Mm -hmm. what Danny Ocean wants, and he's someone that is sinister, and they give him some moments uh, Mm -hmm. where he gets some really cool lines, where he gets to sort of you know put George Clooney in his place. Of course, Clooney's going to come out on top. I don't think in this film he ever – Norton ever does, other than the initial like shooting of Donald Sutherland, everything else. It's pretty much all downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, So that that is a problem with the movie. It it was really a missed opportunity, like during the the lunch scene, you know, where Charlotte's there and um, has a date with him, and then uh, Mark Wahlberg has a scene with them. Edward Norton was just really he had a moment there where he could have been really sinister, you know, to take a word, Union's Mike. Um, it, it was just he was just another guy. You know, I thought, and this this would have been awkward. You would have had to get rid of the father daughter thing, but I thought it would have been cool if Norton doesn't want to do the film. And it's some sort of contractual obligation. And all you're really needing to do is just to sell the fact that Norton's in the movie, just to put his name above the title with all the, with Mark Wahlberg and Charlie Theron, put him on the poster in the trailer, have him be the boyfriend, the husband of Charlie Theron's character and have him be the bridger, like the lead guy who's not retiring yet, but just gets killed. And that way Norton didn't have to do the rest of the movie. Uh, you get to put his face all over the marketing and then you have Mark Wahlberg who like takes over. He's the guy who wasn't that sharp, but kind of is forced into that position because the smart guy, the leader of the team is killed in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. No knock on Donald no, Sutherland. That's, I think that's, that's still too much. I, I think we're changing too much of the story. You make him skinny Pete. That's it. <laughs> you just go get explosives from him. <laughs> I don't think Norton would, uh, would, uh, would take that. And how, you know, I don't, I don't know about, uh, having, I like most Steph as my, my demolitions guy. I don't, I don't know about, uh, changing it I like most Steph too. He's good. Um, when he was called no. most Steph, I don't remember, I don't know what he's called now. He's, I think he's changed his name. He has a but, different name. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he still goes by most Steph. It's like his, uh, performing sort of name or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think he's, uh, changed to his, uh, real name because even, even in that uh, movie, the HBO movie with Alan Rickman, I think he was still most deaf. It's a good oh, name. Okay. Good. I would keep it. It is. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. No. Um. But I, the thing that I noticed about this movie um, is that the supporting characters were a lot better. Uh, the remake. Uh, I thought that the supporting cast, you know, had a lot more. You had a lot more fun with them. Um, you got to know them a lot better. And I, I did like that. Um, you know, and it was one of Jason Statham's first roles after Locke stock and two two smoking barrels yeah, coming over to, to like hollywood filmmaking i, I think yeah uh, coming out of the, yeah, the guy yeah. richie stuff yeah yeah guy richie stuff but uh and you know jason statham was fine you know he showed signs of being a good action star and then in the italian job and i did like that and now you know funny funnily enough uh the weekend we're recording this uh the fate of the furious is coming out soon and we're seeing jason statham extreme so you know i think it's kind of i think it's kind of cool how you know this whole like this whole the, the same director couple the same actors i think that's kind of cool but um 
that's what I noticed about this movie that stood out um, from the original is that the supporting cast is much better um, and you get to know them a lot better. So you get to care about them a little more. And, you know, the supporting cast in the original is just kind of goofy. And, um, you know, like one, one guy was obsessed with um, bigger women. And it, it just, I, I don't know why that was a plot line in the movie. <laughs> but I mean, they all you know, love too. I mean, let's not be sizes here. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> they throw this in and it's out of left field. Like, it's just kind of like, okay, this computer guy is really smart with computers, but he's going to be distracted chasing women. And there's like this one scene in a movie where he's with the police and he's like chasing this bigger woman and he grabs her and it's just like what 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 was behind that choice peter <laughs> like the, the it's director. 1969 in the uk <laughs> yeah i guess no but like you missed um, out on some uh, just... some good loving back in the 60s there daniel they just <laughs> yeah. girlfriend yeah. would just like pay it. for an orgy for you that's just how things that's how things operated back then <laughs> well yes uh, but you guys weren't born in the 60s so you missed out on it too i guess indeed Yes, I'm still. No, I still have I, hopes um, for Charlie Theron. That's what I'm. I'm in the right time period, sir. That's what I'm trying to yeah. accomplish. You're here, married, though. good sir. I, you know, I'm just hoping my wife Looking is, is like one of those '60s ladies. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pay for a night with Charlie Theron with you. That's fine. Well, she's single, so go for it, man. I believe in you. That that was is the she? only thing holding me back, Daniel. <laughs> she was taken. <laughs> that was the only thing. <laughs> Not proximity, wealth, power, none of that. <laughs> of course not. Just because I was a gentleman, that's why. <laughs> of course. I wonder if she has a Twitter account. I have to ask her some some stuff. She, yeah, she, yeah, I think it's like Charlize Africa or something like that. She's on Twitter, so check her out. Oh, Peter. okay. Go, go message her. I, I will. You, you're laughing now, but I will. Oh, Did man. anyone have a problem with the, uh, the Charlize Theron, Mark Wahlberg romance, which I also think doesn't feel like it actually like they don't really commit to it in the 2003 version until like uh the very uh end of the film you just see them sort of happily floating on a on a boat just uh just like hey we're you know i spoilers yeah well i i mean i guess you know yeah we're not holding anything back here I know, no yeah. um yeah I, I didn't think it was forced it was actually fine they it was uh it was more fraternal uh, is that the right word you know where i felt like they were kind of more like Almost kind of like brother and sister. I think that a makes it worse until towards the end. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but that's the thing. Like I, I felt like there wasn't really any chemistry until like that. Some Game um, of Thrones shit, yeah. bro. I felt like she had more <laughs> chemistry with uh, Statham as far as like a flirtation. Like some of the scenes where he's he's doubting her capabilities. It seems like they like engage more, uh, like in a possible romantic way than. Ever, I agree with you, Peter. It does seem very brother sister because he says like, you know, your father was like a father to me too, and then yeah, he oh he asked her out, like asked for a drink, and that's like the only time I, that he like makes a pass at her, uh, and then yeah. then it sort of dropped. So yeah, maybe that's why I was uncomfortable at the end when I saw them like cuddling together in Venice. I was just like, yeah, this is. I was more comfortable seeing Seth Green, uh, basically sexually harassing a woman, trying to blow her clothes off of the speaker. That was somehow less creepy <laughs> than Mark Wahlberg hugging Charlize Theron. <laughs> yeah, well, to me, I was just like, that makes sense. It's Seth Green. I mean, he's Scotty from uh, Awesome Powers. So true. No, I um, I I think that this was kind of I don't know. I didn't care honestly. It was just like you know, I why are they throwing this in rather than you know I. I 
I, like they're they're two very good looking people. So I guess it kind of makes sense that they'd want to like put them together. But yeah, I kind of like the banter more between Charlize and Jason, uh, honestly. So you know, and that's I, I hope uh, her her and uh, Statham have like a scene in the Fate of the Furious together, just like kind of call back to the Italian job. That would be kind of cool. But um, I wish he was actually yeah, playing I, Handsome Rob in the Furious mm-hmm. franchise. I wish he had continued his criminal path and uh, killed off Mark Wahlberg and all the rest. <laughs> Not most deaf, but yeah, definitely Seth Green. Not most deaf. Most definitely no. killing <laughs> Seth Green. <laughs> but um, I wanted to bring something up because you guys were talking about the end. Uh, I think the end in the original is infinitely better than oh the part. cliffhanger. Yeah, the cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, the literal I, cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, the literal cliffhanger. It is like like you know this was before I guess they knew the figurative uh, definition of cliffhangers. But um, I, I feel like this ending was just so much more enjoyable and left so much more up for the imagination. And they didn't mm-hmm. do a sequel. So it just kind of lives on. Like, you can just imagine what happened. If you're, like, a cynical person like Mike, you can imagine they all fell off and died. And if you're a more positive person like me, then you can imagine that they, you know, got out and got the gold and lived the richest kings in England. What do you, you think happened, nope. Peter? Which one? That's- I think um, I think they they're taking a page out of the original Ocean's Eleven. I, I think they fell down. See, that's where you you got us wrong, uh, Dan. Because I actually believe Michael Caine when he's like, I think the final line is something like, "I think I've got an idea." I have a great idea. I've got. A I great believe idea. him. I'm like, all right, yeah, he's got this. He's gonna figure it out. Um, I totally misjudged you, Mike. I'm yeah, so sorry. Um, I'm Canadian. I'm sorry. I I agree with you in the sense that I you know I, I thought the film was okay. And it's not the problem was like comedy and especially different, you know, cultural sensibilities is a lot of British comedy doesn't really work with me. Uh, I guess more yeah. modern British comedy does because it tends to be more aggressive, uh, more mean spirited. Yeah. This is, you know, it's more family affair. It's G rated. Uh, it's definitely more uh, lighthearted kind of goofy comedy. And so for the most part, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed the film because I just don't like that type of comedy. But that final, yeah. that ending, I think is one of the best endings of all time, just because it has been so, I don't know, such a guilty pleasure up to that point that I feel like they really had to do something. They had to have one last little gag, one last little joke. And when you mm-hmm. compare it to the 2003 version, it's very anticlimactic. Like once they get the chase done, mm-hmm. it feels yeah. like no one's really interested in resolving their revenge on Edward Norton's character. They're just like, yeah, everyone's it, just here. Here's some gold. Take him away, please. And yeah, he, he, he killed my father, but uh, now I have gold to replace him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, just like, uh, right. I will say, I did like the mafia aspect better in the 2003 version, that they were a threat to uh, our heroes and then ultimately our villain, that they were someone that was brought in uh, in a way uh-huh. that felt, it did feel natural because Norton's character is trying to basically be his own man. Peter, you mentioned he doesn't have like backup. He has no one with him. He has mm-hmm. to like hire out yeah. a crew. And so, yeah, that guy's going to put himself at risk. You know, he's putting himself out there that someone's going to say, you know, especially the guy he's selling gold to, that guy's going to look into like, what is this I'm buying? Where did it come from? Is there someone that's going to come yeah. after me? I like that. I didn't really care for the mafia in the original version, standing on the mountainside with machine guns and in suits. And it was just, it was like, I felt like. I feel like that was more goofy still. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. Yeah. They're all wearing black suits. Yeah. Just kind of lined up. It was a little weird. Like, I thought a song was going to break out or dance. I thought it was going to be La La Land. Yeah. 
Uh, I love Quincy Jones' score in this film. Uh, I thought, you know, especially at the end, um, I can't remember the exact name of the song, uh, but, like, there was a song that was playing as the chase was going on, and it just, it kind of felt real 60s, you know? And you're talking about the comedy, Mike. Um, you know, I just, I, I feel maybe I appreciate it a little more just because, you know, I, I do have British background. I grew up, uh, or, you know, visiting my family in Britain lots, so... You know, we kind of had that same sort of tongue in cheek. We weren't that offensive as some British comedy it's is cheeky. now. That's where so, I think it's yes, it's very cheeky. Word, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then uh, one last thing that I just uh, for me makes the original Trump the new one is um, is just that the cinematography is so uh, at parts really stunning. Like you know, just. Remember, this was the 60s, and at the start, they're getting these uh, shots behind the car as the car is weaving through the Italian mountains. And I just, I, I thought that was like, it, it just kind of pulls you in straight away. And yes, you know, uh, the way this car explodes doesn't really make sense. But, you know, I, I feel like from the start of the movie with the, the music, the cinematography, it just pulls you in straight away. While with, you know, um, with the remake you're kind of like trying to figure out what's going on because they're in like boats and they're like you know starting this heist like it goes straight into it and uh you know sometimes i appreciate that but i do like a little more setup a little more build up and i think they do it uh, a lot better in the original because they just use the cinematography and the score kind of just to get you uh straight into the film and you know yes you might have been pulled out at times because it didn't work as well for you but at least they pulled you straight in which i don't think the remake did as well well, the remake has no style, really. It doesn't have yeah. any sort of personal sensibilities. It's just straight up action, yeah. and I appreciate that. But you know, I'm just, that's that, that's what I did appreciate more about the Italian, the uh, original film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess we've all said what we all have to say. I mean, you know, when we uh, usually say, you know, which one do we, um, you know, kind of prefer? I mean, I keep saying it, but the remake's more watchable. But I don't know if I'd go back and watch uh, either of these again. Mm-hmm. Peter's saying they both lose. <laughs> the, I am. I really am. Okay, I, I don't know if I've ever pick, had that. If you had to pick, though, which one would you? Which one would you rather rewatch? Is kind of like the, the more watchable one. Okay, so the uh, the remake then. Yeah, the remake. Okay. No, I I I'd say the original, but I, maybe that's just my. Uh, my my love of Britain uh, speaking through here, you know, just as you guys. You know, love we've ha- we've had pushes before. Uh, I'll say push for both because I, I I wouldn't go back and watch either of these. So no, no, this is there a democracy, go. just like uh, okay, just like All our. Right. Uh, I guess this will be <laughs> don't bring it in. This will be unlike the presidential election because uh, I'm also voting for the remake. So the majority actually wins on this show. We don't. Uh, there's no <clears throat> electoral college bullshit. Uh, going on here, but uh, I, I will say this: I'll say the original is probably more memorable. Um, but yeah, I'm if I had to watch one again, I'd watch the 2003. But I'm by no means saying it's a great film. Uh, I think if you like the 60s films in particular and you like those sensibilities, uh, yeah, watch watch the uh, the original Italian Job, uh, and it's fun. Michael Caine is fun to watch. He's he's a better presence than. Mm-hmm. Almost anybody, and, and you know, I, I like Charlize Theron quite a bit, but I don't think she's given much to do here. For the most part, she's no. the damsel in distress. I didn't like right. that. Yeah, she was uh, like, uh, you look at like some of the characters she's recently played, like uh, Furiosa, just mm-hmm. to name one, 
And like, yeah, I, I felt like she felt more like the damsel in distress and like she needed Marky Mark to like comfort her as she was opening the final safe. Like it, I feel like, you know, she's, she's such a strong character that she doesn't need Mark Wahlberg to, you know, help her. Like she's, you know, she's, I, I, that's, that's one of the knocks I had against the remake, but I, I, you know, I understand the remake is maybe a little more watchable for uh, a lot of people for maybe, you know, um, also for, I think if it's mainstream film audiences, I would, you know, I would recommend the remake as well, just cause the original is, you know, has that sixties feel, has that British feel, but I'm a big fan of like those old action movies. Like, you know, some of my favorite films are, you know, um, the, the Thomas crown affair, the great escape bullet, you know, those, those sorts of movies. And, I feel like if I were to, you know, have like a 60s and 70s movie marathon, Italian job would make it in there. And, uh, and you know, like like Mike said, the ending, um, literally one of the greatest literal cliffhangers of all time. So uh, I, I, I do I do appreciate that. So, but, you know, I, as long as my voice is heard, I, I do respect that the majority wins and uh, the democracy lives on. <laughs> I do appreciate that. <laughs> I do have uh, one last thought uh, about the remake. Um, Mike, you mentioned that this was, you know, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Gone 60 Seconds of Fast and Furious. You mentioned, um, Ocean's Eleven, which came out, what, two years prior mm-hmm. to this. You look at the cast and they, you know, they don't quite have the star power as Ocean's Eleven did. No. Um, I would, you know, d- debate that, uh, Charlize Theron is the, the, uh, probably the best female actress uh, of those two movies between Ocean's Eleven. Um, I think where it hurts her was maybe she was not in a bunch of rom-coms over the years. She, you know, is more in dramas and um, I feel better movies than like Julia Roberts. And so I don't know, like uh, aside from Charlize Theron, Mark Wahlberg, most deaf, the, the rest of the cast, I mean, you got Seth Green, they don't stack up against your... Even your side characters as like, uh, Casey like, uh, um, Don Cheadle, Casey Affleck, uh, Scott Kahn, like those, all, all of those guys, they are very, they have a screen presence, whereas these are a little bit kind of like, um, you know, I think Mikey, you said kind of, well, you said the, uh, original movie is more memorable. This one, yeah, not so much, but just more watchable. Let's get to our, our final segment on the show, which is, uh, and we'll start with our, our guest. If, you had to remake this film again today, 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a particular filmmaker, director, uh, even a you know, writer, uh, or just a you know certain cast member, certain actors you would like to see take on the same storyline if you're doing an updated version? I'm glad you asked. Um, if I were to remake this movie, first of all, it would be going back to the original kind of British, you know, setting that sort of thing. But I feel I would make it um, maybe not fully art. I, I feel like an R rating would kind of work for this film because you get to have because R ratings don't necessarily always mean more blood and more swearing and stuff. Sometimes it just means you have a little more uh, creativity and more uh, route, routes that you can go down. Darker I tone, get of, maybe. Yeah, darker tone, maybe. Um, you know, maybe change it where it's not, you know, goofy, but kind of make it a little more uh, just darker. Um, you know. I, I get rid of the mafia aspect because that just didn't fit in. Like Mike said, I agree with that. Um, if I were to look uh, for like a writer director to do that, um, you know, uh, honestly, I'd, I'd look at someone like, honestly, I'd look at George Clooney and I, you know, you might laugh a little bit, but I feel like he has the, 
Um, he, he has the writing, uh, he, he knows how to write a movie. He knows how to direct as well. Like I think, I think of good night and good luck, uh, and you know, stuff like that. He also knows how to handle heist movies. So he could get together a pretty talented cast. Um, you know, I'd love to see someone like Michael Fassbender do something like this or Tom Hiddleston. I feel like they kind of have that, uh, that British charm that could lead, but then I'd want a better side character. So when it comes to like the remake, uh, I'd love to like get like a cast of that kind of side characters who have a little bit more to do in the movie, but we still have this really strong, you know, uh, strong main character. And then if you're going to put a, a female, um, a female uh, actress or a female actor in there, I'd want it to be like, you know, a stronger character, give her more to do, you know, make her more, um, make her do something rather than in both movies where I think they kind of failed with that. So I, I that that would be my like ideal, and maybe instead of Italy, you could do it. Uh, you could do it somewhere in France, or you know, somewhere where the Alp setting might still work, but you know, you don't have to fully remake it. You can still do your kind of own thing, and uh, that 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 would be from me, I guess. I I call it the the uh, the Nant job or the con job or something like that. <laughs> the con job. The con job. The, the- the Italian job, the con. <laughs> the con job. <laughs> what about you, Peter? And we'll call it the uh, we'll call it con C A A N. Have Scott con as the lead. No, um, <laughs> straight to video. For me, <laughs> yes, uh, VOD actually. Yeah. Um, I was thinking. Well, uh, uh, Daniel was talking about heist, and the first one that I thought of um, that I can also like throw in a leading actor with as well would be like Spike Lee, you know, who did uh, Inside Man, mm-hmm. and we can get like a uh, um, like a Denzel Washington as the lead, or maybe he can be Bridger, you know. Um, uh, as far as uh, like a lead actress. I don't know. I haven't really thought uh, thought about that. I if if it was going to be remade, I would prefer it being more closer to the source material uh, with the, uh, the 1969 version. Um, obviously, with uh, less of the jokes, more of a serious take. Um, I would like the director to use practical effects. You know, obviously, uh, Fury Road proved that you don't need CGI in like these extravagant uh, chase scenes and things like that. So I think uh, practical effects is the way to go. Um, yeah, yeah, just make it uh, make it more like the original and more of a heist uh, type, kind of like the remake. But definitely, I would not try to do it like the the 2003 version at all. I'm going to try to do it just like the 2003 version, except I'm going to try to fix uh, and add some of the style, some of the more comedic elements from the original. Uh, I'm going to keep the premise. I'm going to sort of like Daniel. I'm not going to dive into the mafia as the villain. I'm going to keep the the betrayer from the group as your as your nemesis. Uh, I'm going to attempt to correct what happened last summer with Ghostbusters, and I'm going to give this to uh, Paul Feig again, and we're going to have it written by Kristen Wiig, and we're going to have all the Bridesmaids characters come back. They're going to do it before Ocean's Eleven, the Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett one comes out. And we're going to have Rose Byrne from Bridesmaids be the betrayer, mm. and it's going to be Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph uh, trying to get back what she's taken from them. And uh, that's can how we're going to do it. Can we throw Rashida Jones in there? Rashida Jones. Who would she, she would be uh, – who would she be? I guess she would be like the Jason Statham. She would be, she would be the, uh, instead of handsome Rob, she would be, uh, gorgeous Rashida. How about that? 
I like I like that. Uh, and of course, Rashida. you got uh, you'd have Melissa McCarthy as as the muscle of, of some sort. Maybe she's playing her spy character. Maybe you're just making a Paul Feig's or a universe. So yeah, that's that's what I would do. What what if she's the one that they go to for explosives? I think you would go to uh, is it Ellie Kempner? Is she the the office uh, Kimmy Schmidt uh, actor? I think she's. Yeah, I think Kimmy she would Schmidt, be the. Yeah. Uh, the explosive one, explosive, yeah, because uh, she she kind of plays like okay. sort of more clumsy. So she would you could do a flashback where she's someone who's kind of blown herself up, uh, something of that nature. But yeah, I like your input with Rashida Jones though, gorgeous. And Rashida. I'll reframe, I'll reframe my um uh, my writer. I, I still want George Clooney directing, but uh, just because I'm a <laughs> huge fan of uh, good writers, Aaron Sorkin writing, I, I feel like he could do a great uh, Italian. <laughs> Jeez, Lee, look at this guy. Hey, look at him trying to shoehorn these these yeah, men. I know. Yeah. Into, your, uh, into it. No, wait, wait. <laughs> oh god, you guys are making me sound really bad. Um, no, you know, I like the cast. The funny thing I is, like the cast. you just brought up Aaron Sorkin, who I think just I haven't read into it, but I think he just recently got into some some bit of controversy, controversy uh, because he was. Uh, I mean, there's no. He's way to saying put it. that what writers don't get judged on. Their, they they get judged on their work is what he was saying and it's easy for him to say since he's like this world renowned writer screenwriter so I I disagree with him in a sense but you know I I, I don't know enough about the writing um, world to know but you know I I hope that people just get judged on their writing in Hollywood rather than you know on who they are because that that would be a huge problem but I I like what Mike said about the cast like you know if they want to gender swap it that's fine. But don't put Paul Feig in in charge of this. He will butcher this. I'm sorry. See, I've, I've liked I, his I work for the most. I mean, I, I, didn't I like... don't trust him with remakes, though. I'm sorry. Just after Ghostbusters, he lost my trust, and that's not because it was female. It could have been a great movie, but I just don't think Feig know, knows how to handle the like. He completely butchered all these cameos from the original actors, made them completely you know dumb. And I I liked some of the main cast, but. It's just kind of like, you know, if you're going to place someone in charge of a remake, someone give it to someone who knows how to handle remakes, I think. I think so, the biggest difference here, though, is Americans don't care about the Italian job. There's no there's no like Italian job bros. There's no ghost bros who grew up with it and treat mm-hmm. it as some beholden franchise. I, I was thinking more like Spy in the Heat. He's done like action comedies that can kind of poke fun at the genre more than uh, doing, you know, I probably wouldn't after Ghostbusters give him like a superhero movie. Like I don't want him to direct Spider-Man, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like Spy quite a bit. So I think, uh, yeah, bringing Spy's the best. fun. I do. I, I definitely agree. Spy was fun. And Jason Statham, he, that should have been his yeah. role in the Italian yeah, job. Yeah. I'm just swearing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, yeah, but no, I, I appreciate, I, I, I like Mike's pitch there. I like Mike. And, and, and Peter's too. I, I, I think we agreed. Oh, thank most. you. Yeah. No, I think you and I agreed mostly on our pitch. Like, um, except I, I do like the whole Denzel, uh, throwing him in because anything he's in just, it, it's usually better and he, he knows how to pick his roles. So I, Hell, just let him direct too. Yeah. Let him no, direct and have him be Bridger. So mm-hmm. I've seen yeah, fences. No, Don't I, let him direct. <laughs> we, uh, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Fences wasn't the greatest thing in the world. No. Well, we've not but we've it, not really seen him do something that big, right? Like his films no. have been very small and very contained. So it may be interesting to look at, but I like your Spike Lee pick better as far as doing this because I love Inside Man. So that's what I would go with that. Mm-hmm. Throw in Michael B. Jordan. My goodness, come on! I, yes, you can always win my heart go. by throwing in Michael B. Jordan. Creed. Oh, yeah. 
creepy. Well, he'll be the yeah, lead. Yeah. But I'm talking about, yeah, like Denzel would have been Got Bridger. It. All right. That's good. So, yeah. Hell, let's have Jordan Peele write that too. That would be good. I think he could put in some comedy too. He he could yeah. he could do a good job with it. I God, I'm, I know we're talking about the Italian job, but anyone who hasn't seen Get Out, please go see it like straight away. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we solved uh, at least me and Peter solved uh, diversity issues with remakes. Daniel was trying to hire Aaron Sorkin again, <laughs> <laughs> but he does like Get Out, so he saved himself there. <laughs> Yes, at the end. You know, the only thing that would scare me is if, Dan, if I give you a second or a little bit of rope to hang yourself, if you're like, you know what would make Get Out better? If it was written by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> you know, I was just, okay, honestly, I was just thinking about the Italian job, and you know who I'd love in the, um, in, uh, what's his name, in most deaths role? I'd love Peter Shikanda. I don't know if you guys know him, but I'd love him. I think he'd be great. He's the, um, Nobu from Daredevil, uh, He's like the no, haven't seen it. Okay, well he's like the he's like the bad guy in Daredevil. He he would be great. But I I yeah, you guys are making me sound all bad and I'm not He's not a white guy, guy right? He's not a <laughs> No, he's not a white guy, Mike. <laughs> well me and Peter didn't know him, so I was just like alright. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dan, this is a good uh, time to plug your podcast and your website. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Very diverse, uh, right? Your website. The premise is millennial, though, so it's it's a younger perspective. Yeah, okay. You're, you're ages. You're gonna let me explain. You're this, not racist. You? You're just ages. That's, I just want to put that out there. Go ahead, promote your. Okay, yeah, you um, often call us old men. <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, yes. Yeah, so thank you. I guess Dan's, ne- Dan's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, Peter, you know that invitation I gave you at the beginning of the show? Well, that's rescinded. No, 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 Peter, you're still invited on. I like you, man. It's Mike that I have a beef with right now. But he does not because I'm a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Mike. God, I hate you, man. Oh, No, okay, so my show and my site, um, so the premise of our show on our site is it's millennials talking about film, and we're not ages. We just um, – we're just – we, I realized that uh, there are a lot of young people not getting their opinions out about film, and a lot of them are discredited because we have some uh, not-so-smart young people uh, talking about movies and saying Passengers is an A+, and Manchester by the Sea is a C-. Like, you know, you kind of get those people who are just rating films on entertainment rather than actually looking at film. So what our site does is... Um, and our podcast is we look at films from the millennial perspective. You know, it's a, it's a fun show, but the site gets a lot more into the whole cri- uh, critical thing. Uh, two of our youngest writers are 14 and 15. Um, we, we have like just a cast of characters, mostly in Canada. We have one in Seattle, so uh, near where Peter's from. And um, yeah, just, uh, just a great bunch of guys and gals uh, writing for the show. Uh, writing for the uh, site and then the podcast is mason and i we just uh, talk about a new release um just have a lot of fun with it uh our next episodes our two next episodes coming out are our top 10 movies of 2016 part one and part two which um had hyro and um mike and jd on the show uh, and I love what Hiro and JD had to say. Um, so, uh, it was a lot of fun having them on. And then Mike, you know, well, so uh, I guess it was all right. He, uh, he brings, well, he, he is our most downloaded guest so far. So, uh, 
he I guess he does bring in the bring in the dollars. So uh, no, your bread's yeah, butter. You just keep talking good. You you get money. <laughs> no, no, we don't get money. No, no, we just get down. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed coming on the show. And uh, yeah, guys, if you uh, enjoy banter, definitely come check out our show. We're on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, tune in. We're on all those podcasting places and social media places at Get Real Movies. G E T R double E L M O V I E S. So we're Get Real Movies, not Get Real Beer or Get Real. So we're Get Real Movies. So yeah, thank you guys. All right, and you guys are spelled the correct way too, not like how color uh, is a U added or anything like that. So, <sighs> God. <laughs> yeah. All right, very good, Mike. This is probably the first time we haven't really like quite pimped out our shows like throughout the throughout the podcast like we usually sure. do. Sure, uh, yeah, I, I host another show called War Machine versus War Horse, which if you're listening to this, you you probably listen oh. to that one uh, as well. Um, you can interact with me at War Machine Horse, uh, where you will find uh, Peter trying to tag me into uh, a date with at Charlie's Africa, I believe is what Daniel said. Sure, we'll do that. We would like a date. <laughs> like, hey, we, we we heard you were single. Get real movies told us you were single, and uh, our wives are okay with it. But we would like a date with you, and we will uh, donate to your uh, campaign. It's done. Her campaign is done now, man. I donated. Oh, to okay. It. Well, there'll be a, there'll be something else. I'm sure. I'm sure there will. Uh, for me, I host another movie podcast called Podstalgic. Um, uh, which when it was Hydrate Level 4, Daniel, you joined me on uh, My Cousin Vinny. Yes, uh, that I That was a great, that. great and fun episode. Yeah, so, so check that out uh, if you want to hear more. Daniel and I chopping it up and him giving his millennials perspective on that movie. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, recently, I did a pretty fun episode. If anyone wants to check it out, it's the inaugural episode of um, a, a special segment I just started called Movie Wars, where uh, my friend Dave over at the Super Movie Bros uh, podcast. He chose the year 1989, and I chose the 19, the year 1984, and we uh, picked movies that were in the top 30 grossing of that year. And we had 15 categories to place those movies in, and we kind of just defended our movies and the placements of them. So it was a lot of fun. Got a lot of uh, good uh, feedback from people, um, uh, first timers as well. So uh, if that sounds fun to you, check it out at Podstalgic. Check it out, guys. It's bloody awesome. All right. Bloody awesome, he said. Yeah, so. I wanted to be British for, you know, one second. <laughs> why Why don't you just be uh, Jason Statham, you know, and speak like this? <laughs> I think that's the way we're going to end it like that. <laughs> Podcast out. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>